Hey everybody, welcome back to another Photog Adventures podcast. I'm Aaron King. I'm Brendan Porter. With families and day jobs, we know it's hard to find time to get out there with your camera. So Brendan and I joined together and made the commitment to go out consistently and build up our landscape and astrophotography portfolios. We live in Utah and are lucky to have so many beautiful landscapes all around us. Not only do we have five national parks right here in Utah, but we are only a day or less drive away from 30 other national parks. So we created PhotogAdventures.com, this podcast, and our YouTube channel to chronicle our adventures. Come along with us to amazing places and learn from our mistakes and our successes. We hope that you will get out there too and have a photog adventure of your own. It's episode 131, and today we have an awesome mm. episode, guys. I mean, <laughs> 131 episodes, It's it seems insane. It's come and gone really fast, actually. It really has, and it's cool to celebrate it with the guy that just recently was declared by Nick Page his favorite post-processor because of the way that he knows how to handle it without going too far, mm. and it's just beautiful. Yeah, that's a, quite a compliment, actually. Did you know Nick Page said that about you, man? Man, I had no idea. That just kind of surprised me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I'm going to have to find it. One of our breaks, I'm going to find that exact quote from his live stream when he said it because it was nice. beautiful and inspiring, and it actually caused me to go look more deeper into your stuff, and I was like, okay, mm. we got to get David Thompson wow. on. Do you prefer Dave or David? Uh, either is fine with me. So you went with David, right? That's what Not you David. wanted? <laughs> <laughs> that works with me, too. <laughs> so he hails from Las Vegas. You live there now, right, David? Yeah, that's where I'm at. And you were born in New Mexico, though. You grew up in New Mexico. Is that correct? Well, I was actually born here in Vegas. Oh, okay. Um, moved to New Mexico in, I don't know, nine, shoot, uh, early 80s. Okay. Um, lived in New Mexico for a little bit. My parents uh, decided they wanted to retire out in Vegas, and that brought me back. And oh. here's where I'm at now. Cool. Awesome. You made a comment in one of your Instagram posts about daddy daycare duties. So uh, you have a family there in Las Vegas? Oh, God. Don't even tell me about it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my son, me, speaking, of, speaking of daddy daycare, my son, 10 minutes ago, decided he uh, <laughs> wanted to burn up some popcorn in the microwave. Oh. So the house is stinking like burnt popcorn right now. That never goes that away. That is one of the worst. Like, it does it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because regular popcorn can smell so good. And then once you burn it, it's over. It's like the worst. Oh, man. Yeah, this kid, he, he's uh, following the directions on the popcorn and he reads four minutes of microwave time and he puts it in for four minutes and it's four minutes too long oh geez that's fantastic <laughs> mm. there's a few fires i've heard about happening from that oh, god it's <laughs> insane these kids too funny oh man this is nerdy comment to make but as a guy who plays a few mobile games i play clash royale and i found my son i gave him my ipad so he'd be quiet during recording of a podcast i found him an hour later having spent 130 of my hard-earned gold coins in the game and then taken me from a rank that was three stages up here and dropped me three ranks down <laughs> as he had 10 straight losses for me in competitive matches he just oh, wanted God. to try it out and he's like look i got three stars again i'm like mm. yeah yeah they got three stars awesome oh, <laughs> God, that's hilarious. so yeah i love kids man and so oh, with man. brendan's bio of you is there anything he left out you want to fill in any holes about your photography there uh, not really. Um, this landscape photographer, ordinary guy out of Las Vegas, Nevada, and uh, I go out when I can. Nothing, uh, nothing too crazy. Just doing what I do and doing what I love. <laughs> so you do photography as a hobby more than just uh, you don't do it professionally. No, no, just as a hobby. I do some private workshops, Skype lessons here and there, but okay. um, regular day job, just just living. Um, I haven't gotten to the point 
in my photography journey where I, I feel like I need to do this as a job full time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, simply because I just feel like there's still more out there for myself to create. Sure. And um, when I get to that point where I feel like I can't create anymore or the drive is not there, um, the motivation might go into maybe a, more of a professional uh, mm. career in it. But for now, uh, it's just a, 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 a hobby of mine that I, I, I truly adore. And I'm just loving what I'm doing. Well, that Interesting. fits yeah, you like perfectly that. with the Photog Adventure clan. I mean, yeah, everyone yeah. here, our major point is, hey, guys, get out there and have a Photog Adventure of your own. People who have jobs, day jobs, families. You know, it's hard to find yeah. time to get out with your camera. It literally was just said about four or five minutes ago on the podcast from our opener. Mm-hmm. It's just we're trying to encourage people who have regular life to get yeah. out there more right, and right. do it even though we're, we get busy. And so you're just a man of our cloth right there talking about it just being a thing that you love to do. You're not doing yeah. it for a photographer, like per- position in the professional world, just enjoying it. So when it comes from all that enjoyment, you get to pick everywhere you go. No clients telling you where to go. There's no workshop right. saying that you need mm-hmm. to be here. You get to pick wherever you go. So when David gets a weekend free, where do you go first? What are your top three places to go out and do your landscape photography, man? Uh, let's see. Well, Death Valley one because that's like literally my backyard. Mm, I mean, an awesome. hour and forty-five minutes is oh a risky gosh. point. I mean, you can't that you can't awesome. beat that. Yeah. Um, Collectively, we all just went. Oh, you're so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Eastern Sierras. I, I I really enjoy the Eastern Sierras. That's four hours from my house, Ooh. and uh, I like. I like hitting the deserts in southern Utah. Um, you only said like? What, what, what is this? This hurts. <laughs> it, well, it's, you know, it's kind of like everywhere I go, I have a, a love-hate relationship with. Mm. Um, <laughs> Expand you know, but, on that. Why the hate? Well, the hate is typically conditions. Like, you know, we're all looking for those, you know, awesome conditions. And, right. you know, sometimes we get them, sometimes we don't. Um, but like I said, every location I have that love-hate. I go to Utah, for example, Southern Utah. You know the deserts. I love them. Deserts, Badlands, Hoodoos. Mm-hmm. I mean, Red yeah, Rock. It yeah, has yeah. It has it all. Um, but to make it all come together, you know, depending on what you're shooting, you need conditions. Mm-hmm. So either I get sky, and you know, I'm not necessarily looking to shoot sky, and you know, and I want to shoot like some low soft light stuff. Mm-hmm. I get clouded skies. Or if I want to shoot some, you know, the opposite, I want to shoot something that has sky, I get clear skies. Or, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I just completely bluebird out there. <laughs> so it's always that that love-hate relationship um, when I go out. And, um, you know, over time, as I've matured, I guess you can say, the conditions aren't necessarily such a big deal anymore. And it kind of makes me think a little bit more on, you know, what I want to do, how I want to shoot it, what I want to shoot, the subject. And uh, I think it makes me a little more creative as well. Yeah, you kind of get into that photo zen master kind of uh, mode, I guess. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As we look at these top three areas, Death Valley, Eastern Sierras, and Southern Utah, let's give a yeah. one-liner piece of advice for each area. If you were to hear from someone who you just adore, you want, you love them like a brother or a sister, and they say, hey, I'm going to go here, help me find 
the right place to go? Help me find the right way to do this. Or maybe just how do I make sure I take advantage of my four days out there? What would be that one piece of advice that you would give someone you love in your family? This is what you should do in Death Valley. Depending on conditions, I, you know, the dunes, I'd hit the dunes. You know, you can shoot dunes in basically any kind of weather. Mm. Um, Clear skies, you got intimate, big sky, you can focus on that grand landscape. Mm-hmm. cloudy skies maybe not that much light you can focus on textures if you you know if you get lucky enough and yeah. you know the the dunes aren't trampled to death oh, but, right you getting know. a nice windstorm <laughs> the night before it's amazing right. <laughs> right 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 so i would i would suggest that for uh for death valley sweet so then when you're thinking eastern sierras is there a location in the eastern sierras you say hey make sure you don't miss this oh man um I would probably say Alabama Hills area. Mm-hmm. Um, again, simply because there's so much there. And again, depending on the time of year, I mean, you got these majestic peaks and, you know, grand, the big, huge, grand landscape that's just, you know, it's mind blowing. Um, you got those nice granite boulders down below the, down the, Below down the mountains, um, you got trees, you got cottonwoods back there. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff back there to get real creative hmm. in any kind of conditions. Any kind, even the dingiest gray, completely overcast yeah. day. What have you done in that situation that you can think of on the spot? Um, I can I can tell you. Um, back this past fall, um, I shot back behind what is that so basically behind lone lone um what is that the uh, alabama hills right outside of lone pine um there's a section of cottonwoods and brush and all kinds of cool stuff that nobody ever shoots back there Hmm. and Hmm. i went back there just kind of off the whim i didn't really know how the conditions were going to be um and to my surprise late november um, amazing fall colors back there. I mean, really awesome, Ooh, awesome. Nice. I mean, just phenomenal. I haven't shared any pictures back there. I only got one shot. Yeah, but, Brendan's scrolling fast uh, on Instagram like, right now. Like, oh, yeah, I haven't shared it yet. But uh, <laughs> which is another funny story about that that particular shot. But um, Same it was sure. the cl- it was cloudy, but it was enough soft light kind of filtering through to where. You know, you still got that nice soft light glow on the landscape where you can still bring out the texture and color of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, of all the uh, uh, vegetation. Yeah. And I shot that scene so nice. I mean, it was nice. Just the, the multiple color of layers with the sagebrush and the, the reeds and the, oh. the, the cottonwoods with the, the golden leaves. Oh, it was fine. it was amazing. Amazing. Cool. Um, the funny thing about that is that uh, typically I'll shoot, well, not. As a recent, I'll say probably in the last like two years or so, I've been shooting a lot of uh, five four, uh, okay. four five format Dude, in format, camera, huh? hmm. okay. and uh, just to get a little bit more creative to have my eye thinking a little bit more. And uh, I shot that particular scene in the square format because I accidentally hit the square format instead of the five four. And I didn't notice it at first until I got home and I was like, oh, damn, I shot this in square format, which I never shoot. Mm. Luckily, thank God the image came out because I would have been 
so pissed <laughs> that, that image did not come out the way I would have liked it to. <laughs> oh man, using medium format or large format and dealing with film is a whole nother experience. So if it doesn't come out, that's devastating because you don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. But if you tell your camera to crop it a certain way, it captures it that way. There's no going back, right? Like you just no, can't. yeah, no, not at all, <laughs> not at all. And 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 originally, when I first started shooting, I started off with film, and I was god awful at it. Mm. And you know, when when digital started getting a little bit better, I was like, you know, I'm going to switch. But I God, I failed miserably at film. It was I was horrible. <laughs> I never even tried it. Yeah, yeah, film. I had friends doing it in college and stuff. I'm just like, nope, don't even, not even interested. And then once digital came out, I'm just like, I can do that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so now the third place is Southern Utah, which is a pretty huge swath of mm. land to cover. So yep. how could you possibly pick one? We understand that. That's true. It's going to be hard <laughs> to pick one. But if you had a piece of advice of how to take advantage of a Southern Utah trip, we have a workshop out there in a month, and we're taking yep. these guys through awesome places for Milky Way photography. Mm. In their uh-huh. minds, they might be thinking, hey, what would David Thompson say that we should do then not miss? You know, it's funny, um, and it sounds so elementary, you know, coming <laughs> from, you know, us being landscape photographers, but right. um, toadstools, oh, you know, oh, yeah. that has place, felt that power. Okay. You mm-hmm. know, and it's funny because that place is, um, you know, it's a really simple place. It's, you know, it's pretty basic, but yeah, the terrain does not have a lot of flora. Yeah. But mm-hmm. you know, that place, every time I go there and I don't go there too often, but every time I go there. I always come back with something a little bit different that I like. Mm. And it's a vast area. Uh, there's a lot of stuff to shoot over there if you explore. I mean, I mean there's a lot. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll leave it at that. There's a lot. And some of the uh, – if, if you're willing to get out and get out into that terrain, there's some really interesting stuff in that area that has a lot to offer. So are you talking about the toadstool area that's on the southern, very southern part of Escalante? Yeah, are we talking rocks or actual mushrooms? Well, you, there's a combination of both. I'll say that. <laughs> oh, um, that'd be cool. You got, the, you got the, the formations down below, and if you do some exploring, there's some more up top as well. Mm. But nobody ever goes up there. It's a, it's a whole new landscape up there that nobody ever explores. Ooh, awesome. Interesting. Nice, thanks. So, so yeah. then with David Thompson, he has a night. Let's just picture a scenario, a hypothetical, where the night is looking like the sun is going to have visible light hitting subjects. Not just yep. that it's going to light the sky, but it's going to hit subjects. And you're mm-hmm. in an area that you're falling in love with. You're thinking that it's looking beautiful. How do you as a landscape photographer approach this situation? What are some of the key elements that we can glean from you as steps that maybe we should take in our own photography? Well, for me, first and foremost, it has to be subject. Mm-hmm. Um, with that being said, certain light looks better on certain subjects, in my opinion. It just depends on the subject. Um, I'll say, like, for example, Badlands. Um, I love shooting Badlands. Mm. To me personally, Badlands don't look that great backlit. Um, right. Badlands stand out with that nice either side or direct light, um, low and soft. Um, that's the kind of light that I I, I adore. Mm. Absolutely adore. Um, same with if I'm shooting um, like a lone tree of some sort. If it has some type of uh, you know side light or it's front lit in some kind of way, I, I, I love that. Um, clearly if, you know, if there's this, if I know that there's going to be this big sky and it's absolutely about to erupt, then, 
you know, I'm going to go for it. But I want to make sure whatever I'm shooting needs to flow with that nice explosive sky. Right. Oh, man. Yeah. When you deal with light, it's a big old lottery win, basically. Oh, yeah. You can't control it. Are there any elements that you've gotten into practice with, with uh, reading the light or understanding where it's going to be? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I'll take the swamps, for example. Um, you know, after spending some time in, you know, this particular area, I've gotten a good read on what the light will do in this particular lake. Mm. And it kind of, I kind of just flow with it. And when it goes, it goes. And if you know how to just follow that light, you can come up with a lot of great images. Some of them will work. Some, you know, may not. Um, I'm also a kind of person when I shoot, I I actually move kind of quick. I don't necessarily marry a particular scene. Mm -hmm. Um, I like to, I like to shoot and go. Um, if there's something that catches my eye during that process, I may stop and go, okay, let me slow down just a little bit more and, you know, take my time on this, uh, you know, this particular, uh, area, but you know, it's like the, it's like clockwork, that low soft light, you know, I'm going to shoot something that's, um, you know, front lit, um, as that sun starts to creep up, I'm going to kind of move a little bit more and try to get that nice side lighting. Um, mm. and again, when, with shooting these swamps if i got mist or steam oh yeah um you know i can i can work both i can get that backlit that backlit tree scene with the the mist coming off the water so you get that nice like a uh, glowy yellow light and you know yeah. you get those that that nice tree structure oh yeah you know as a as a subject and you know that mist kind of um kind of makes that tree structure come out a little bit more um yeah, I just like to I just like let it flow, you know, and and a lot of times too, um I'm very how can I say? I kind of like to let stuff just kind of flow. I like to let it be organic um and try not to force things. In which way and do I you define like, organic? Um not necessarily trying to force force what I'm shooting. You know what I mean? Like mm. you can see something and it looks so good to the eye, mm. but maybe it doesn't translate all that well in camera. Yeah. yeah that's um, a challenge, isn't it? I just kind of just like this. It's kind of hard to, it's kind of hard to explain without seeing it. Um, Experience is what is the key to understand that language. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. And it's more of a feel like you have like a feeling um, or expression in the stuff that you're seeing and trying to make that connection with the subject and the conditions it's it's all kind of intertwined with each other and i don't know if you guys ever experienced that but it's kind of like a flow it just kind of just goes Mm -hmm. i with the fact that we do so much milky way photography we have to invent our light so i think there's a lot to be learned on my Mm -hmm. my own personal Mm -hmm. photography skills in light with sunsets well a lot of it has to do with familiarity too i mean when you're really familiar with an area and you're really familiar with the way, and that's the thing is that it takes that patience. It takes that continuity going down that same spot over and over again. Because if you find the spot you like the composition, but you have mm-hmm. to keep practicing, right? You have to keep going to that spot and and getting different circumstances, different weather, 
to really see how it all plays out, that's when you're going to get right. your best shots, right? And it's not always light, yep. too. I mean, Aaron Bobnick was telling us about how these clouds that she's experienced in the Dolomiti in this one specific area, she's seen the clouds do yeah, something so that's what of, yeah. by pattern almost every time when these conditions arise. Mm-hmm. And she had a workshop out here in this one location, and she saw what was happening. And she knew that within the hour, this is going to happen, and this mm-hmm. is going to be great. We need to get moving. But everyone wanted to keep capturing what was happening along the way. <laughs> she's she's like, like, no, no, trust me. Come with me. <laughs> trust me. <laughs> experience this yeah. is going to be great and it's one of her portfolio pieces and when aaron mm. bobnick says it's a portfolio piece it's a great shot right oh yeah oh yeah yeah aaron is great she she's awesome man yeah i mean she's right like when you know it's gonna happen it's gonna happen <laughs> um you know as you know another example of that was again back in the swamps this past fall you know i had a couple uh a couple clients i was telling them i said look we have the conditions for a nice, misty, foggy morning. I mean, the conditions are like prime. And I told them, I said, look, these conditions are going to go fast. So as soon as that sun comes up and it starts hitting that water, that mist is gone. Uh-huh. So be prepared to move. Follow the flow. I'm going to work with you guys and just go with the flow. The light's going to hit here. It's going to hit here. And it's going to hit here. <laughs> be ready. <laughs> that sounds like an awesome <laughs> workshop. How did it go? Uh I, everybody was happy. Everybody came back with some great images. Um, yeah, they were, it, it was great. It was awesome. What's the swamp land that you referred to and the one that kind of fills your Instagram feed? Uh, well, I don't want to give out too much. No, don't uh, information, give away specific but, areas, but can you give us states? Is it something on the East coast or are you actually will, finding something will, around here? I will say it is down in the Southeast. Okay. Hmm. That's enough. And these, these, these swamp lands extend from, you know, Texas all the way to Florida oh, and anywhere wow. in between. Okay, cool. So, um, you know, the swamplands is very, it's, it's very extensive. Awesome. There's a lot out yeah. there. Um, there's a lot to be explored if you're willing to get out there and do it. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Is that, is that a kind of location that you have a private workshop you'd set up for that? For one of your workshops favorite? there. You have had workshops? Yeah, there? I okay. have. Cool. Good to know. You have them scheduled for this year? Yeah, I think this year I'm only going to do one because I, I have a pretty busy, uh, fall schedule already lined up so i don't i think i'm only going to have time to get one in this this uh this year nice. but um it's going to be a good one it'll be it'll be awesome just like you know the last couple that i've done it, it'll be really 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 cool you're going to see some cool stuff and get some big old trees nice well, awesome am i correct in saying that your website is davidthompsonphotography.com that's as easy as it Sweet. gets Guys, okay. check out the link down below and you can go to his website. If you're thinking, man, fall colors in the swampy awesomeness of atmosphere and mood, <laughs> pretty epic, followed yeah. by and led by a guy who knows where the light's going, it's going to hit here, it's going to hit here and hit here. That's the kind of experience that sounds perfect for a workshop money to spend, you know, where to spend your workshop money. So think about David Thompson's workshops. This is awesome so far. Brennan, before mm-hmm. I jump on to the next segment, do you have any questions about his method of photography or maybe even composition? We haven't talked about that at all, but we can go into it in the next segment. A yeah, little I think bit. we should, because I'm seeing more pictures of like, you know, it looks like he's done some aerial shots. So it looks like you might have a drone. That'd be great. Oh yeah. yeah. Do that awesome. maybe a little yeah, yeah, bit drone. in drone time sure. too. Yeah. Sweet. Well, let's go ahead and take our first break of the podcast. We'll come back with David Thompson. Welcome back to the Photog Adventures podcast, everyone. We're hanging out with a photographer, David Thompson, and he is getting me hooked on the idea of swamp photography. I think I might need to put a few bucks towards David Thompson and join him on a workshop because that sounds that would be amazing. A lot of fun. Yeah, and to know the location because I'll be in on the inside. Unless you, <laughs> I would have. 
Yeah. You might have to sign a, a, a non-disclosure. An NDA, man. That oh. is totally <laughs> fine by me. Awesome. We don't want to give away places, but I don't want to be like bag over my head, knocked out until I get to the location situation. <laughs> oh, no, I won't do you like that. <laughs> there were three bumps and there would turn and then there was some gravel. I have to go find a blind person to report what I've heard so they can tell me what that means. Like, that's a train track. Perfect. Keep going. Oh, man, that's funny. <laughs> so I'm just picturing it in my head. Okay, look, we're going to go to this location, but I need you to put this bag over your head and <laughs> once we get there just you just keep the bag on your head when we get to the location i'll take the bag off and you're ready to everyone go everyone grab now. your buddy hold on to his hand <laughs> oh god that's so funny shading him through there all right you're now revealed don't check your phone's gps <laughs> oh god that's hilarious so david thompson has been talking to us about places that he loves to go and his photography methods and now i want to approach something that you mentioned on your instagram i think this is an interesting topic mm. i said before that i think you should tell the story about this picture first but, uh, you know, yeah, you know what? Let's do it that way. I think that's still the right way to go. Let's do it. You have a beautiful, beautiful picture of Factory Butte mm -hmm. where there's a rainbow over it with Factory Butte perfectly in the middle. I've seen rainbows all over the place, but then they don't usually overlap the part of the terrain right. that I want them to. Right. How the heck did this happen, David? Oh, God. This, this is, a, <laughs> it is a crazy, crazy, crazy story. Well, to me, it is, at least. So, <laughs> um, so my buddy, Paul Rojas, he lives in um, Southern California. He's about, um, you know, five hours, maybe, you know, depending on traffic. You know, it's L.A., uh, six hours right. to get to my house. So we had planned this trip, um, not necessarily last minute, but we had been talking about it for, you know, a couple months. And we were like, you know what? We want to do some fall color, but we want to shoot someplace a little bit different. So we were like, you know what? Let's go up towards uh, Boulder Mountain. Um, we know there's some, you know, some aspen trees up there. We did a little bit of research. Uh, we'd never actually been up there. Paul had driven through there one time oh, on his really? way back from Escalante. Um, but that was the, the main goal was to go to Boulder Mountain and shoot fall colors. So Paul comes to my house. This is something that we've done many times. He'll drive to my house. We'll get in the car here from Vegas. Boom, we'll shoot up north. So um, we stopped in um, southern Utah, shot some Aspens in, up there towards, um, I don't know, what is that? Uh, right outside of Cedar City. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cedar Breaks. Uh, did yeah, some yeah. just some shooting up there. We got a couple good shots. It was, you know, not too bad. It, color was nice. And then I was like, okay, we're going to make our trip over to uh, cut across through Escalante, go up towards Boulder Mountain, mm. get the Boulder Mountain. Conditions are great. Um, perfect fall colors, reds, yellows, orange, you name it. Mm. It was up there. Um, kind of hard to shoot, um, but the conditions were nice. It was cloudy, overcast, so we literally shot all day long. So we get done shooting that afternoon, and I'm like, okay, look, we need to make a judgment call. Do we want to head back south? Or do we want to kind of just cut off and go to Factory Butte area? Um, I don't know exactly what the conditions are looking like, but, you know, from the forecasting, it could be pretty good. Oh, my gosh. This so is killing like, me. So You're describing yeah, one of those yeah. scenarios where people go there as a complete beginner to the area and right. get the most epic moment ever. And I'm just so jealous right now. <laughs> oh, man. We got, we got some really, really nice shots from up there. I mean, like nice nice fall color it was it was great i mean for not going to the location and just kind of improvising for the first time it it, it worked out great nice. yeah exactly no complaints. nothing like so that. you guys are heading so, to it now you're saying yeah so um 
we make a we make a judgment call. It's like, you know what? Let's just go to Factory Butte. We'll wake up in the morning time. Uh, we'll go shoot the butte. You know, if the conditions are right, I'll throw the drone up. Because mind you, mm. at this point, I had only had my drone for maybe maybe two months, maybe maybe two months, mm. and I hadn't had too much practice with it, but just enough to to know the basics. So he was like, you know what? Sounds good. We'll camp over there, and then we'll you know we'll get stuff going in the morning time. Yeah, nice. So. We get over, to, and this is late in the evening by this time. I mean, it's going on like nine o'clock or something like that. We had been up all day, you know, driving. Uh, yeah. we're, right. dead, we're dead tired. <laughs> I, um, I told Paul, I was like, look, I'm camp. I'm going to sleep in my truck. Paul was like, well, I got my little bivy sack. I'm going to sleep outside. All right, cool. No problem. Now, which was what was odd about that, we, we've been there like, you know, three or four other times before that, hmm. and we had never seen a person out there ever, ever. Oh, okay, I never okay. see a vehicle when I drive to Factory Butte. Right, nothing. Well, right. Well, this is crazy. So we get there, and we get to the little campsite, and there's probably maybe five or six cars. It's, oh. You know, seemed like a younger crowd. You know, they're drinking. You know, kind of playing their music, and which is a little annoying because we we were hoping to get there and there'd oh, be nobody yeah. there, uh, but. You know, there was people there, you know, like, you know, whatever it's, you know, it's all good. <laughs> so I knock out instantly. I'm probably asleep by nine 30. I'm laid oh, out. Paul, <laughs> yeah. Paul, Paul was sitting over there. He bivy sacked it. So he slept outside and you know, he, he was like, he had knocked on my window at one point and was like, man, he's like, he's like, I think I'm gonna have a hard time sleeping. And I was like, why? And he was like, well, there's people out here. They're drinking, they're making this noises. You know, they're, they got the music loud. <laughs> He's complaining and all this other stuff. So I was like, you know what? Don't worry about it. Go to sleep. It'll be good in the morning time. Don't even worry you about it. You didn't offer him a place in your truck. You're just like, go to sleep. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> you're, nah, you're good, dude. You're sad. Go, no, go for it. He's on his own. He, he, he went to Bibby Sack it, so. Hey. I'm scared. Uh, well, good luck with that. <laughs> right, right, right. So we get up in the morning time and. I wake up and I'm like, man, I was like, you know, it looks like there's even more cars out there. <laughs> I look outside. There's literally about 30 cars out there. What? I kid you not. Wow. There's literally like 30 cars out there all oh over gosh, the place. I don't know. <laughs> and I'm like, Paul, I'm like, I wake Paul up. I'm like, Paul, what's up? You, you, you good? You awake? He's like, oh my God, like, no, that was wake. the worst night ever. <laughs> And I told I slept like a baby. I didn't hear anything. <laughs> wow. So he was telling me that these guys, all through the night, there was people showing up. And there was like this big, huge party there. What? Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. So, Locals, man. So it's like, a, he's like, it was like a nightclub out there. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the next yeah, Coachella. You guys had no idea. Night, and you like, stumbled into it. Nobody goes there. But <laughs> this particular night, for whatever reason. Kegger at the Overlook, guys. Yeah, see you there. See. Right. Right, right, right. So we pack up. We pack everything up. Um, hop in the truck. We head out to Factory View. And... You know, there's clouds, you know, it's looking okay, but, you know, we're like, yeah, you never know. But there's a thin gap. Oh gosh, seriously. There's a thin mm, gap yeah. on the horizon. Mm -hmm. Very, very, very thin. <laughs> so starts. we get over to Factory Butte and I'm like, all right, so here's the deal. I go, we already got the long range shot with the long lens. I go, let's hike in, get a little bit closer to the Butte. Maybe we can find some compositions mm. over there. So we hike in and I bring my drone with me. So we're hiking in, we're hiking in and. And, at, and still at this point, you know, it's not, it's still dark, but, you know, the light is slowly starting to come up and it's, it looks, 
it looks like it's going to be a bust, to be quite honest mm. with you. It just doesn't even look that it's good. It's amazing when that happens. Oh, God. So <laughs> we, we hike in, we get out there, and then I go, okay, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to throw the drone up, and then, you know, if the light, you know, kind of comes together, you know, maybe I'll set my camera up, and we'll kind of go from there. You know, we'll see what happens. Paul was like, okay, I'm going to hike out this way. I'll see you in a little bit. I said, all right. So I load up the drone, set everything up, um, look for a composition that, you know, I think will work, you know, for the butte. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'll Can't be honest with you, the comp that I that you see on the Instagram um, post, yeah. I particularly didn't really care for the comp that much. Mm. It's but yeah, I, it was it was just where I happened to be where I can shoot mm-hmm. if something did happen. <laughs> and where I can still fly my drone at the same time. So I throw the drone up and I'm flying around, you know, having a good time. Cause you know, I'm like, Hey, this, I'm at factory Butte. I have the right, drone. Right. Everything is oh, cool. Man, you know, the light is low and soft. Is amazing. I'm flying. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm flying around having a good, good old time. Just, yeah. You know, buzzing around. <laughs> and then, you know, the light slowly is starting to Ooh. creep. To the east and i'm like oh damn i go it's gonna blow up <laughs> like at this point you can tell that it's gonna be like totally like epic and i was like you know what hell with it i'm gonna keep the drone up so i keep on flying the drone so sure enough light starts going off to the east it blows up towards the east i mean complete fire oh, in the sky yes if any if anybody was shooting that overlook that morning they got the most epic light <sighs> ever there i mean ever man texture clouds that look like flames yeah. i mean you name it oh, it's there gosh. and i mean this guy is going up like real high i mean it's going like like overhead oh, like this is how strong that. light is so i'm still flying the drone and then i face towards the south and i took a couple shots with the drone it's the light is still really good at this point and then that first light is starting to creep and hit a uh, factory butte so I was like, you know what? Let me take a couple shots. So mind you, I'm flying my drone and shooting <laughs> at the same time with my camera. Uh, That's a multitasker. Right? Yeah. So I'm doing I'm doing two things at once, and <laughs> this is it's not good. It's not good at all. So you know the light's starting to go, light's starting to go, and then I hear I hear Paul go, oh, you know he cusses, oh shit. <laughs> And I look, and I look over Factor Butte, and a partial rainbow is barely coming Whoa. over the butte at this point. Oh, wow. Like it's partial. Mm-hmm. I'm lo- I'm losing it at this point. I'm like, oh my god, oh my god. What do I? I don't know what to do. Do do I do I keep flying the drone? Do I shoot? I don't know what to do. Oh my god. So I change out my lenses real quick. I change out the, my lenses, switch to the tw- uh, fourteen and twenty four because mm-hmm. at the when I first started, I was shooting with the twenty four seventy. So I switch out, wider, yeah. 14 to 24, switch out. Drone is still in the air. I have it hovering at this point. I don't even know what it's doing. It's just out there somewhere, <laughs> right? So I'm shooting I'm shooting Factory Butte as this rainbow is starting to form mm. over the Butte, and my drone is still out there. Next thing you know, and I have the controller down by my feet. Now the controller is starting to beep at me, oh, tell me that the battery is low. <laughs> the rainbow is going off. I'm swearing up a storm. I don't know what to do. Heart is pounding. Lights going off in every single direction. I literally had to like fly the drone back. I just hit the return home right, button. I was like, right. return home. I didn't even control it. Oh I didn't care gosh. where it landed. I needed to catch this rainbow. 
the best light that you can possibly ever get at that location just happened. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And that place. the drone lands literally with like 5% power left. <laughs> um, I had to go fetch it. It was like, it just landed somewhere. I don't even <laughs> know like, where it landed. It landed like probably like another 50 <laughs> yards from where I was at. Who cares? Um, we get done. We're all like just flustered. Like I'm literally like shaking. <laughs> oh, and that. we're looking at each other. And mind you, Paul and I have seen like a lot. We've been in like a lot of like good light, bad light. We've had it all. We we we've done quite a bit. And we're looking at each other like, Dude. do you know what just happened? <laughs> do you know what just happened? No, do you know what just happened? No, I know what just happened. Do you know what happened? Yeah, I do. Dude, I was like, dude. We got a rainbow, a full rainbow over Factory Buttes. So yeah, incredible. And he's like, and he's like, I, he he's looking at me. He doesn't even know what to say. <laughs> I don't know what to say. We're looking at each other. We're like dumbfounded. We're just like, what do we do? We don't never have to go to this location ever again. <laughs> Nothing will be Epic satisfying ever, ever again. Yeah, <laughs> ever again. And and we're just sitting there like we literally we just have to like sit down and like just kind of take it all mm. in. Um. Because the light was still going off as we were as we were done, yeah. like the light was still going. There was still a rainbow out there to be wow. shot, and we're just sitting there, just kind of like, "What just happened?" <laughs> you guys are breathing heavy, looking at each other, maybe a little teary in your eyes, just like, "Oh." I kid, I kid you not. It was insane and like complete three sixty full of light, mm. and we just sat there, just like we just had a we had a rainbow with color and verga and all kinds of stuff going through this it was insane in insane totally insane <laughs> that is an amazing story that you Truly, started yeah. saying it might be boring what are <laughs> do you have any idea how good your stories are but man but i tell you you know the funny thing is it's like you know looking back like it was it was like like you know that high that high that you yes. get like when just everything is coming together no, no. Um, as I told you earlier, I wasn't necessarily thrilled with the composition, right. Sure, but you know, it was something different, you know, something unique. Uh, when I looked at Paul's image, when he got his done, I was like totally jealous of his cause he just like totally just killed it there. <laughs> and, you know, I was like, if I would have hiked out, you know, a little bit further, maybe I would have got something different. But then at the same time, you know, I was flying the drone. So, you know, mm, it was a whole yeah. A whole bunch of other things but at the end of the day it was just the overall experience it didn't you know the pictures the images it was great it was cool we got something to come back with but it's an experience that you'll never be able to necessarily feel quite like that ever again yeah, and that's the awesome payoff too of going out to a place and just going out and exploring sometimes you get that amazing payoff it's a little bit of a gamble right but the payoff is huge right and you see the clouds and you think there's a sliver of a chance mm. and you still wait for that sliver of a chance we just mm -hmm. you know we just waited it out we were like we're already here what are we gonna do and i mean you know you see that gap and you're like you know there's that possibility and it was it was funny too because as 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 it started getting a little bit lighter the gap started getting a little bit wider and oh, wider and perfect. like the cloud deck was literally all the way out as far to the east as, as it can possibly go. And that gap was just, just enough to have that light break through. Oh, and weird. that sky erupted like, that was probably, I would say, at least in the top three times that I've seen that good a light. Mm -hmm. Man. Yeah. I, Insane. We've had an experience similar like that. I won't go into it, but just that, that ecstasy 
of that feeling of knowing yeah i just had a transcendent (laughs) moment (laughs) yeah yeah It, it is amazing there's nothing like it so in complete contrast um in complete contrast to what he just said he has a comment down below on his instagram that i'm gonna read to you guys in full talking about things that you learn as a photographer as you grow as you experience more and more and this was epic light and Mm -hmm. he uses this chance to say something that i really liked so dave if i can i'm going to be your voice and read this real quick and then comment Mm -hmm. on it and let's go into discussion about that because this is amazing this is the kind of stuff that those of you out there just barely getting started you guys are going to experience this in your own photography Mm -hmm. he calls this picture the edge of glory Early on when I first started photography, some 10 years ago, all I ever wanted was epic light. The light was more important than the subject or compositions. What I realized over the years is it's all relative. Everyone thinks the light they see is epic, but in reality, it really isn't. As much as I get out, I rarely, if ever, see epic light. In fact, most of the time I see epic light, I'm out working or doing daddy daycare duties. (laughs) Isn't that the truth, Brendan? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Every time he drives to a podcast, he sees epic light. (laughs) Today I'm sharing an image where, in fact, the light was indeed epic. Definitely in my top five displays of light that I've seen and captured. You could point your camera in any direction and capture great light. Rainbows, skies, full of color, verga. You pretty much name it, we had it. Only thing we didn't have was a flying unicorn. <laughs> it was pretty spectacular. Lots more to the story, but I'll save that for another day. That must have been the kegger oh was gosh. lots more to the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the drone flying and... Oh, yeah, yeah, balancing yeah, I, drone flying. Oh, Man. so cool that was, inside story now. It was... In, oh, God, I, just even thinking about it, I just, I'm just shaking my head like, I, <laughs> I still can't believe, you know, what happened. Right. <laughs> when Man. you talk about, as you've been doing photography, you've learned that it's relative. How do you mean? Well, you know, when we all, when we all first start our journey with phot- photography, you know, I like to call it a journey because that's what it is. Amen. It's a journey. It, you know, everything an adventure. takes time. Yeah. Right. It's not, you know, it's not the short run, it's the long run. And, you know, we get, especially now, I can't even imagine, you know, how these young artists feel now with, you know, everything that's out there, you know, and with all the images that are just at their disposal. Mm. Um, when I first started, I thought it was all about just, that epic light. It was all about that color. And, you know, in reality, you don't really see that. You don't see those conditions that often. Um, I remember reading uh, this article probably some 12 years ago. And I know it was one of these European photographers, you know, from England. And he said, in a year's time that you shoot, you will make, you know, you can make hundreds of images. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, You'll only have maybe 20 to 25 that are really, really, really good. Like everything came together. And when I first read that, I was like, you know, that's that's just a bunch of BS. But <laughs> here now, a decade and some change later, I can tell you that's true. Mm. It really is. Um, and when you think about the big scheme of things, you know, the, the bigger picture. Yeah, you know, it's, it's about, you know, getting good light. But... Is good light just burning red skies or is good light foggy conditions? Is good light, mm. you know, dapple yeah, light? Yeah. You know, what is it? What is it the meaning for you? And, you know, over time, as I told you earlier, it's it's about that feeling. And is it really epic? Is it actually are the conditions as good as what you think they are? 
Um, and I found out that just over time that some of the conditions aren't as good as what I think they, <laughs> as I thought they were. <laughs> right, right. Um, because it's those rare, those rare moments. It's those rare moments that you get like Edge of Glory where you have everything that comes together. Or an Aaron Babnick when she's talking about those conditions develop, developing over those mountains. Right. It's that special moment when you get that mist rising off the water down in the swamps or you get that semi, that nice diffused light on that lone tree in the Eastern Sierras where the light is nice and soft and it brings out all that color and texture throughout the sea and everything is flowing in harmony. It's, it's those kind of things that really make those images stand out. And what is the one thing you can point to and say, this is what I've learned and I've learned it because of X. How did you learn this? Experience. I can't, Mm. I I can't stress enough is it's all about experience and getting out. And another thing that I'll add is shooting different subjects. The more subjects that Mm. you shoot, Mm -hmm. the more experience you'll get. Your eye will get stronger. Your, 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 your brain will start thinking a lot different, a lot different than, you know, maybe than what it does when you're shooting the coast and as to shooting the forest. It's a completely different thought process. And the more, more rounded that you are as an artist, the stronger your work is going to be, the stronger your eye is going to be. And you'll, you'll, you'll be able to see things a lot clearer. Absolutely. I like to think of composition as a communication language. And with like any language, if you're going to learn vocabulary, you need to read. And you need to read different authors. They'll use different different words from different vocabularies, and you'll be able to expand your vocabulary. In Mm -hmm. composition, Mm -hmm. like learning a language, at the very beginning of it, it's kind of all mumbled together sounds and vowel sounds, all just kind of jammed into one big long string of blah. And then eventually you kind of understand the differences between each word. And that's where you get in photography sometimes where you start to see what's a good photograph versus a bad photograph. You're seeing them, but it's hard for you to speak that language yourself. And the Mm, more and more you practice, the more and more you do it, the more and more you might speak like a very broken English person in the beginning, but two years down the road, you're writing poetry. And David Thompson, guys, is writing poetry with his photography, and it's all because of time, experience, and just that exercising that creative muscle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and patience. You got to have patience. It, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a learning process. It doesn't just happen overnight. It doesn't happen next week. It doesn't happen a month from now. It takes years to become good at your craft and become good at this medium. Um, I I, I tell people all the time, take your time. Don't rush it. You see all of this stuff that's out there on social media and, you know, the people getting the likes and this and, and, you know, all the other stuff. Yeah. Put all that to the side. Eventually that will come, but it all comes in Mm -hmm. time. And one of the things I, I, I tell people too is you have to connect with your work before others connect to it. Mm. Mm. Great point. You have to love what you're doing before other people will love it. Yeah. That's right. That is an inspirational message that we could put on a t-shirt tomorrow. (laughs) I think this is a fantastic place to end right here. We'll end this segment and we'll come back and talk about more of the gear and elements that go into his photography and then we'll say goodbye to David Thompson for this one. We definitely have to have him back. Oh, yeah. 
Hey guys, welcome back to the Photog Adventures podcast. Here at Gear Time, th- today we're going to talk with David Thompson about some of his favorite gear and some of the things uh, he likes to use when he goes out photography. We did mention earlier in the podcast about a drone. Um, and then what else do you like to use, Dave, that's something that you have to take with you or that you just love using the most that you just can't leave at home? Ah, oh, man, you know, it's uh, it's always a tough, tough call with this, with this, um, with this question simply because all my gear yeah. I love. Um, but I, I have to say I can't leave without that 70 to 200 oh. uh, telephoto. You know, lens. I hear that so much. Um, too. I'm a Nikon shooter, so I have the F4 okay, version. Okay. But um, only because I know I'm going to bring my wide. But if I had to either ditch the mid mm-hmm. or the wide, I got to keep the wide, yeah. right? So the 2470, you'd probably but leave. If I had to ditch the mid mm. zoom, I'd got to take the the long lens just in case. Because, I mean, you never know what's going to be right. out there. Right. And that lens is like one of those lenses where it's kind of like, uh, it's like the the last resort. You know, mm. like you don't know if you're going to need it, but you just, just want to have it just in case. And I got an example of that was this past, um, back in December, my wife and I went to mm-hmm. Costa Rica and we're driving through the countryside and we're starting to pass over the, I don't know, I guess the, going from the lowlands, going up to the okay. highlands, passing over the, almost over one of okay. the peaks and um, full on rainbow Ooh. right behind this cool like subterranean tree and it's all you know kind of squiggly and you just got this perfect deep rich rainbow directly behind it there was no way i could shoot that with that wide lens but that 70 to 200 bam threw that thing on nice really really nice image with the uh full-on rainbow going over behind the tree it was awesome (laughs) we hear that a lot too we don't actually have a 7200 but we've rented a few times and we do enjoy using it it's one of those things we keep talking about it's like we got to get one of these in our bag because Every landscape photographer that we've talked to practically has one, and it's for good reason too. Because we've taken it out, we used it. We're just like, yeah, this is just—it's too good not to have. Yeah, you got it's just—it's just one of those things that you just want to just have in your bag as a just mm-hmm. in case. Nice. Okay, I've got I've got a I've got kind of a mid grade seventy to three hundred in my bag that I use, and I actually end up using it a lot too. But I know that the quality of the seventy two hundred, especially the Canon version, is just been you oh. know epic people just i can't yeah. even tell you that canon version that's the when i switched over to nikon that was the one lens that i was really <laughs> i i had a hard time departing from was that right. canon that l that l um the l 2.8 l series yeah. that 70 to 200 mm-hmm. the f4 version the f4, the yeah, one. Yeah. oh man that thing is like i don't know what six seven hundred right. bucks but it's super sharp yeah i've got to get one of those Got to get one of those. <laughs> man. man, that's like that. That I would have two of those right. if I was you and you shoot Canon. <laughs> so what about your drone? What what drone do you fly? So I'm flying the uh, Phantom 4 Advanced oh, okay. right now. Um, I decided to go with the, the bigger version um, than the Mavic only because I just wanted something a little bit bigger for the stability nice, yeah. and that yeah. kind of thing. Um, and it's great. It's I've made some pretty cool stuff with that drone that I didn't expect to to you know to make when I originally got it. But man, it's yeah, it's awesome. got a good sensor in it. So right? so different seeing the landscape from above. Right. right. 
I mean, it totally changes your perspective. I mean, literally. And, uh, <laughs> but I mean, how has your photography, you know, advanced since you've been able to get so high aerial views and stuff like that? How has that changed, like, the way you think about photography? I will say that it, it kind of goes hand in hand with what we, we talked about earlier. Um, just shooting different subjects, your eye gets a little bit mm. stronger. Um, and seeing the landscape from the air, I kind of look at it as if I was shooting like a, an intimate scene right below my oh, feet right, right, to right. some degree. Um, but what, what the drone gives you the capability of seeing different perspectives. Yeah. Um, if you think of it like this, when we shoot, you know, regular average size guys, maybe, you know, five, 10, mm-hmm. five, 11, right. Um, I'm six, one and some change, almost six, two. So we only see the landscape maybe six feet, five inches tops or something like that, right? So picture seeing that same perspective 20 feet higher. Right. Picture that perspective 50 feet higher or 100 or 200 feet higher. Yeah. It completely changes. It completely changes the landscape and how you you see. Um, But what it what it's done for me um, in terms of my thought process and composition is a perspective. You can, it's a whole different perspective because you can shoot the landscape with sky or you can shoot it without. And the same principles apply as if you were shooting the landscape on the ground. Yeah. Some of your favorite images I've seen from straight down aerial, you know, with a direct side yeah, light, you get those. that amazing texture. You really get to see the detail and the and the yeah. cragliness of the rocks and the terrain and stuff is just it's just phenomenal the kind of just the kind of scene you can set up and the kind of visuals you can produce from that view. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Another thing I'll add and it, and again it goes hand in hand what we discussed earlier is about the journey. Mm-hmm. When I first bought that drone, it was like learning photography right, all over right. again. Um I it took me probably a good I would say five to six months to figure out how to process those drone oh, files because they handle okay. totally different than okay. our cameras. And you, you have to have a real gentle okay. hand on how you process those files because if you go heavy-handed, the, the files go, they deteriorate right. pretty quick. Because it's a real um, small sensor, but do you shoot? can you shoot raw with that drone? Okay. Yes, okay. you can. You can shoot raw. Um, I would say it's almost equivalent to shooting with an old Canon 5D Mark II. Okay. Okay. Which, you know, mm-hmm. was decent. And, you know, the files are decent. I wouldn't have any problems printing, I don't know, 20 by 30s. No oh, problem. I could do that nice. all day. I probably can get a 30 by 40 out of it, you know, a 40-inch print, um, depending on the light and yeah, what I yeah, shot. Yeah, how much the light came through and how clear and less noise and stuff like that. Exactly. Okay, okay. that's cool. Exactly. Wow, that's really cool. David, I heard Nick Page say something awesome about you. And I think that this probably deserves to be at the beginning of the podcast. Maybe I'll put it as a teaser for people who are thinking about listening to the podcast. But right here is Nick Page. He's in a live Q&A on YouTube, and he's talking to everyone, answering the question, are there photographers out there that inspire you? And as he's going through a list that you'd be honored to be included in, Alex Noriega, Aaron Bobnick, Michael Shainblum. Mm. And then he mentions, he's just finished mentioning Alex Noriega, and he says this. David Thompson. David Thompson is probably one of my favorite post processors because he is just so tasteful 
and nothing that he does is overdone. And I love, I really admire that about him. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I don't know wow. what you say after that, but congrats, <laughs> man. Fantastic wow. work. Wow. Yeah, that's, wow. I don't even know what to say. I'm kind of, kind of speechless. <laughs> <laughs> it's that's an, awesome. Fine. Yeah, that's know, awesome. It's an awesome honor I can imagine. Yeah, man. I, I Man, you know, it's kind of funny because you never know how people perceive mm. the work. And, um, you know, not that, you know, I'm looking for, you know, the praise and all that other You're stuff, amazing, but, you know, David. it's cool when you, you know, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> no, it's cool when you, when you hear guys like Nick, um, you know, I consider Nick one of the, you know, he's one of the best right. out there and, um, you know, to hear, you know, something like that coming to, from him is, is oh, really yeah, I'd cool. Love it. Um, love Nick Page. and you know, and again, I, I keep on stressing, it goes back to what I was saying before. It takes time and patience, a lot of failures and just, you know, picking yourself up and keep on trying mm-hmm. and just know that uh, you are going to fail. You are going to mess up. You're not going to get it right mm-hmm. the first time. And, you know, you just got to keep on trying. Amen. Amen. Now, guys, get out there with your camera and go. You don't have to be a professional photographer to get amazing stuff. You right. just got to be patient, adventurous, and keep trying. So, David, where can people follow your work and find your workshop so that they can get out there with you in your secret swampland? Hey, it's real, real easy. Uh, David Thompson Photography everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, Flickr, website. It's davidthompsonphotography.com. You guys got any questions, hit me up. Email, everything is all there on the website. Check awesome. me out. It's really been fantastic having you as a guest, yeah, David. A I look so forward to having you back again. Hey, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. You guys thanks, are awesome. Man. Anytime you need me, I'm around. Just reach fantastic. out. Well, hopefully, we'll be able to get you out there and do Astro again, and we can do it together. I'll probably mess no, up. No, man, seriously. Again. You should come with I was just thinking, man, you got to come with us. Well, you, I'll, I'll leave it up to the pros, but maybe you guys can hold my hand and walk me through everything. Oh, yeah. By the end of the trip, you'll be you'll be shooting like a pro, man. Tell no you problem. what, you take us to the swamp land. We'll do a collaboration on YouTube with you for that, and then oh, we'll teach great. you Milky Way photography in your location of choice. Oh, man, this is sounding good. <laughs> I'm liking this. this. Good. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, Dave. Thank you, everybody. Again, if you enjoy this content, don't thank us. Thank our patrons who yep. have supported us with their actual own money. Really appreciate you guys. Yep. Thanks, patrons. You're awesome. Hey, guys, enjoy your week. Get out there. Enjoy your camera. Don't be afraid of the one or two hours you have the rest of the day. Just go. Get, with your, get out there with your camera. Have fun. Keep practicing because you'll get that muscle stronger and your photography better. Well, you got atmosphere. You got clouds. You got weather going on right now is a perfect time of year to go shoot yeah so. go back and rewind this podcast and listen to what david said about all the different mm-hmm. great epic lights or different scenarios that maybe you have right now happening outside mm-hmm. your window mm-hmm. awesome thanks guys have a good one see you david take it easy guys peace have a good week <laughs>